y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 304, I've invited back on the show, Lisa Turkers. A quote that I wrote, not in this recent book, but in a previous book, but I still quote it to myself often, is my feelings are indicators, but should never be dictators. In other words, our feelings indicate what we're facing and what needs to be addressed, but our feelings should never dictate how we act and how we react. So, you know, again, I don't want to make this sound more tidy and more clean and pretty than it actually was. It was hard. It was horrific. It was terrible. And walking out something as devastating as an affair in a marriage and the kids all being well aware that something was wrong, even before they knew all the facts about what was wrong, it created tremendous burden and tremendous hardship. And so, you know, I don't want to make it sound more tidy than it is, but I will say that one commitment that I made that was really important was that I can feel hurt, but I don't have to choose to live hurt and perpetuating that hurt into other people. Lisa is a New York Times bestselling author, speaker. She founded the Proverbs 31 ministry. And since the last time she and I talked, a lot has gone on in her personal life. Some things that have been made public, uh, their divorce, she and her husband's divorce, and also their reconciliation. In this episode, Lisa's gonna vulnerably share a lot of what happened uh, over those years. She's gonna remind us of some truth about how do we forgive someone or something when our mind doesn't let us forget it? And does God ask us to forget those things? Let's get right to it. Here we go. Lisa, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Well, thank you so much. It's a joy to be with you. Well, I was looking because I was curious when I have repeat guests how long it's been. And we chatted back in 2014 about schedule sappers. And then in 2016 about being uninvited. And what I didn't know, that one we recorded live in Courtney's kitchen, Courtney DeFeo's kitchen. I didn't know what you were carrying. And I think that that's a really valuable part of the conversation we're about to have is so many women, men, (laughs) children are carrying profound hurt and pain and we don't know. So I want to say, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I know that wasn't something you could share back then, but I know that was a lot to carry while being in the spotlight. Yeah, it definitely was. And, you know, I think that when you're walking through something that's really hard that that has other people involved you have to be really careful about not inviting public opinion into very private pain and so you know i was wrestling with that tension of holding some things private but trying not to keep secrets and you know one thing my counselor really helped me with is he said you know lisa keeping secrets is for the purpose of hiding something that you don't want to be discovered to perpetuate activities that are not biblical but you're not doing that you are keeping private information for the sake of healing not for the sake of hiding and that really helped me but it was a it was a hard a really hard season because I am a very vulnerable and authentic person. And so I knew the story would eventually have to be told in some way, but I hoped the story would be able to be told after everything was healed and hopefully reconciled, but it didn't happen that way because 18 months into our healing journey, my husband's world kind of fell apart again and he just wasn't sure, you know, that he wanted to stay with us. And so at that point, either the story was going to be told through the rumor mill or I was going to have to, you know, come out ahead of it and just tell it with truth, not 
sharing too many details, but just, you know, stating that this is what we're walking through. These are the facts. And honestly, because I just didn't want the story told in rumors. I, I wanted it to just be the facts that were told. So um, that was a hard season. But my husband would tell you now that looking back on that simultaneously, that was the best day of his life and the worst day. It was the worst day because it forced him to face what happened. And that was hard, but it was the best day because it's the day he finally decided to get help, the help that he needed and allowed me to get the healing counseling that I needed because I'd been spending all of my time trying to rescue him. So um, once I just finally said, I can love you and I can forgive you, but I cannot save you and I cannot share you. And so I just turned him over to his choices. And so it's been quite a journey. I think sometimes in the context of a podcast, we can tell these stories so quickly that it makes it sound like it was a little neater and tidier than it was. It was horrific. I'll just say that. It was really, really awful. And not everyone may be privy to what we're talking about, but that the pain that you've walked through, I've walked with friends through and it is tragic. And I know there are moms listening who that may be part of their story. So would you take, I know we only have a moment, but would you take a moment to just catch them up on a little bit of, of what you needed to forgive? What was the pain that happened to you that needed forgiving? Yeah. Um, so basically I found out that my husband was being unfaithful and that there was also some addictions involved and it was shocking on every level because I think I felt like we had checked all of the boxes to prevent something like that from happening. And yet some very subtle things got in that led to a series of choices that, you know, spun out of control for my husband. And I think because I'd never grown up in a household with addictions. I I just didn't know what I was dealing with. I I didn't recognize it for what it was. And, you know, I think a lot of people will say, how could you have not known? And I think that uh, especially as Christian women, it's hard for us to know because we are so in tune with building our husbands up and seeing the best and being grateful and being a a source of encouragement and support and love. And so you don't want to become that quote, nagging wife, who's like a dripping faucet. You know, the Bible says really clearly, like, don't do that. So it's a complicated thing when you are seeing something with your eyes that sets an alarm off in your brain, but discernment doesn't give us details. And so it just became one of those things that I would override what I was discerning something's wrong, but I kind of overrode it with maybe if I love enough or encourage enough Mm. or whatever, whatever this weird feeling is that somehow it'll get better. And it was also season of life. You know, I, our five kids had grown up and they were all, you know, finishing college at that point. And three of our five kids were getting married in 2016. So it was easier for me to attach it to things that were temporary, like time pressures than for me to really allow myself like, wait, maybe this has spun into an addiction or maybe when he's not answering my calls, that is an alarm for something else that I need to investigate. And I just tried, just like a lot of people tried really hard to believe the best. And that is a good practice until it's not. Lisa's story is reminding us that we don't ever hit a season and we arrive and everything is easy. Here she was with three kids, getting married, five grown children, a husband that she's learning has addiction, and it's hard. 
And some of you are in your own hard season with several little kids. And I want to help make that your life a little bit easier with a diaper delivery system. Hello, Bello. Now, what makes this great is not just the convenience of delivery, but also a great product with... <laughs> Really cute designs. I had Hello Bello send me some products so that my friends Haley and Meredith could try them out. They said the diapers were not only soft, but absorbent and really cute. Go check out the patterns over at Hello Bello. You'll see for yourself. And you can kind of mix and match and make your own bundle, which comes with seven packs of diapers. I don't know if your kids do this, but whenever mine were growing out of one size, there was always a blowout as a reminder, like, okay, time to move up to the next size. You will be ready with your next size up if you get a bundle, you get four packs of plant-based wipes, even a full-size product freebie with your first order. Just go over to hellobello.com slash DMA. You'll get 25% off your diaper bundle order. It's a huge bang for your buck, a lot of potential blowouts saved. That's hellobello.com slash DMA. And if you start bundling a 25% off order, you're going to also get 15% off any add-ons like vitamins or wipes. I kind of missed the stage where wipes were always there, ready for me. Don't forget, that's hellobella.com slash DMA. I'm, I'm just, I'm picturing the Lisa then and just the, uh, just the three weddings in a year that you just threw out like that alone would take up the reality of our time. And then mentally and emotionally what that is, and then to be taking on the pressure and the burden, the responsibility for your spouse's behavior and action. I mean, that's a lot, a lot to carry and to move forward and then, then discover that it is something that is completely, uh, I think you said just it's surgery without a knife. I mean, it's just rips you open from the inside out this betrayal and this reality. If, if a mom is walking through that right now, or she has this past year, where do you go from there? I mean, I, I hear you saying it, it must be something I'm doing. The lie I'm believing is, is I, I need to do more. But at some point, we have to move forward from that stuck place. So what was helpful for you to get traction going forward? Well, I think I had to fully acknowledge the hurt and the pain that I was in. And I think one thing that was really helpful is that I, I had a very good Christian counselor that allowed me to really write out everything that was causing so much pain in my life and help me model for my kids how to be deeply hurt, but not let that hurt turn us into someone we don't want to become. So I would constantly say, I feel hurt but I'm making the choice not to live hurt. I feel angry, but I'm making the choice not to live angry. And I think it's important because, you know, I would say a mistake that I made when I was raising my kids is they would come to me and say, I'm very mad about this. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. We're not mad. We're not mad. You know, and we would, I would work really hard to redirect that. Or my kids would come to me and they would say, you know, I'm really sad. No, 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 no. We're not sad. We're grateful, you know, and I had such good intentions with that. But what, what doing that sets people up to is to deny what they're really feeling. And if yeah. you don't acknowledge the feelings, then it's very difficult to heal those feelings. So we just stuff them and pretend that, we're not feeling it or we redirect them in a way that sometimes can come out sideways and be very unhealthy. And actually, if Art were on the interview today, he would say that this is a big reason why he got in trouble. He was never taught as a child how to deal with hard feelings. Mm. He was just taught to override them. We don't bring hard feelings, you know, mm. and um, that doesn't work. I, I think a quote that I wrote not in this recent book, but in a previous book, but I still quote it to myself often is my feelings are indicators, but should never be dictators. In other words, our feelings indicate what we're facing and what needs to be addressed, but our feelings should never dictate how we act and how we react. So, you know, again, I don't want to make this sound more tidy and more 
clean and pretty than it actually was. It was hard. It was horrific. It was terrible. And walking out something as devastating as an affair in a marriage and the kids all being well aware that something was wrong, even before they knew all the facts about what was wrong, it created tremendous burden and tremendous hardship. And so, you know, I don't want to make it sound more tidy than it is, but I will say that one commitment that I made that was really important was that I can feel hurt, but I don't have to choose to live hurt and perpetuating that hurt into other people. I think what you just talked about, the whole identifying the feelings and not letting them be the boss and is something that my husband and I have been working through as our small group did a 12 step study together and not even based on anyone's addiction, just on the reality that we all are acting from feelings. If we don't acknowledge them, they do influence us. And if we can just call them out and label them and process them, (laughs) then we get to determine how we respond to them. And I think that's the work that I hear that you did with the counselor's help and I'm curious, you said that you, um, your kids, you regret not giving them those skills as you were walking through this and as they are reacting and responding as almost adults themselves, did they work through that with you? Did you, did they receive counseling too, or how did you help guide them in processing this pain for the whole family? Yeah. So they definitely needed to all go to counseling as well. And, um, I think the beautiful thing about that is that I think counseling helps every person, even people who haven't been through the hard and horrific. It's just that sometimes we don't take that step until we go through the hard and horrific. Mm -hmm. So it kind of opened my eyes up to like, wow, the whole time I was raising my kids, I was very diligent about taking them to a doctor to tend to their physical well-being and taking them to church to tend to their spiritual well-being and doing, you know, family devotions and all that. But I'm not sure I ever took a step toward getting people who really know about emotional health involved. And I was like, I wonder why we don't do counseling before the hard and horrific happens. Because just like we can't possibly as parents be experts with all things medical for our kids, why would we think that we could be experts, all things emotional? So I'm very grateful that we got professionals involved and I wish we would have done it sooner. Lisa makes such a good point about how we take care of our kids' physical needs and spiritual needs, but we often neglect the emotional side. And You know, I've been telling you about this online option for professional counseling for y'all, but I wanted you to know that when you go to betterhelp.com slash DMA, it's going to ask you if it's for you, for you as a couple, if you're needing couple counseling, or for your child. And so if you want to go check it out, I want to tell you BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. If you are needing to heal from something in your marriage personally, or if you as a couple need to get help, or if your child is struggling through um, a divorce scenario or another tragedy in your home, or even just the realities of this year, go check out BetterHelp. They're going to connect you with a match that feels like a good fit for you. And it's easy and free to change if you're not finding a good match. It's all online. So you don't have to wait in a waiting room. You can check out their reviews over at betterhelp.com. If you try it out as a Don't Mom Alone listener, you're going to get 10% off your first month. I know that counseling is not cheap and sometimes it's hard to consider spending money on it, but it is going to help y'all live more free and healthy and whole. And we spend money on other things to get spiritual and physical wellness. So let's consider our emotional needs. Go to betterhelp.com slash DMA to check it out. That's really wise. I mean, as you're saying that, I'm nodding here. I'm thinking, yeah, why don't why don't we? And why even within the church is it seen as this like, oh, you must be in real trouble because God should be enough. You know what I mean? When it's this, a professional 
possible. And hopefully, I mean, I've loved the Christian professionals that have helped me with my emotional health. Why would we not trust them in the same way we trust a doctor with our bodies? It's very wise. And then as a family, you can be more whole. So we know this pain happened to your family and you received counsel and we can do all that work. And yet our minds don't let us forget. So your book is forgiving what you can't forget. Walk us through, like, what did you find to be helpful in moving forward so that forgiveness takes on more than just, you know, I forgive you kind of words. How does it infiltrate into our lives? Yeah. So the Bible actually never says forgive and forget. And yet so many people, when I was talking to them about writing this book, they would say, you know, I'd say I'm writing a book on forgiveness. And I would often say I'm writing a book on forgiveness and trying to survive it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You got to live out the message. That's the worst part. Yeah. And they would say, oh yeah, well, you know how the Bible says forgive and forget. And so I kind of feel like if I can't forget, then I can't forgive. And so Mm. that's kind of a no go for me, you know? And it was so interesting when my team and I, we sat down and I have a, um, a guy on my team. His name is Joel Mutamale. He is a brilliant Indian man that is a theologian, just one of the smartest Bible scholars I've ever met. And so he and I together studied forgiveness for over a thousand hours in the Bible to prepare for this message because I found that I was so resistant to forgiveness. And I had so many misunderstandings about what the Bible actually says and does not say about forgiveness. And we discovered the Bible never says that people have to forgive and forget, um, that God remembers our sins no more and throws them to the depths of the sea. But it never says in order for people to forgive, they have to forget. It actually says quite the opposite. I think after reading so much in the Bible, it's actually, if we can be healed of it, it, it's actually beneficial not to forget because it becomes a testimony that can be used in powerful ways. And that's part of the good that God can bring in our story. You know, I think how we know that we are experiencing healing is the way that we tell the stories of our lives. And if we tell the story and we're more focused on the pain and the wrongdoing and the hurt that was brought upon us, then we're not in a place of healing yet. But if we tell the story and we acknowledge the pain we walk through, but instead are much more eager to share the perspectives and experiential wisdom that we learned that can help other people, that's when you know, when you hear yourself telling the story like that and the focus is on that wisdom that you gained rather than the pain of what you lost, that's when you know you're healing. And so it's actually beautiful and it became such a important principle for giving what you can't forget that, that that's what we wound up titling the book. Hmm. And this, I mean, obviously this principle extends beyond infidelity. This extends to adult women I know that are starting to reckon with abuse that happened in their childhood or a a death of a loved one. I think so often people turn away from the faith when they lose a loved one because they can't forgive God for allowing something horrific to happen to them. I know in the book you address that, like forgiveness of God when hard things happen. Talk the listener through that concept. Well, it was important for me to acknowledge that unchangeable consequences sometimes feel unforgivable, like the unchangeable feels unforgivable. Mm. And I think that it's hard to make peace when somebody does something that sets off a chain of events in your life that your life will truly never be the same because of what they did. And it's so understandable to get bitter about that. And at first, when I was trying to admit that I had some bitterness in my heart, I felt like it was me saying, I'm such a bad person because I feel bitter. 
But actually, it was important for me to write in the book about me finally understanding the blessing of bitterness, which at first, when people hear that, I'm sure they're like, what? (laughs) That is not in the Bible. So just sit with me in this for just a minute. See, I think sometimes when we, we're hesitant to admit that we have bitterness in our heart because we think it just means that we're like this old, crotchety, bitter person that's terrible to be around and that bitterness happens to cold, hard-hearted people. But it's actually the opposite that I found. Bitterness doesn't often visit the cold, hard-hearted people. Bitterness is most often found in people who love deep, so they hurt deep. And bitterness is found most often in people that at one point they had so, so much propensity toward love that they threw their arms open wide and embraced a relationship with complete, beautiful abandon. And then something happened and they were just devastated by the hurt that was unleashed in that relationship. And so I started to recognize bitterness isn't a sign that I'm not set up to love big and deep and set up for a great relationship. Bitterness just means I was hurt really badly. Hmm. And so the blessing of bitterness is it indicates that our hearts have such a propensity toward love. So it's important for those of us who love deep to tend to the hurt that can not just awaken some feeling when we shut ourselves off and shut ourselves down. Because I don't know if you've ever found that when you start to sense you're getting hurt in a relationship, for me, I like to shut myself down and just pretend like I don't have feelings, you know, (laughs) because it's easier to do that than to figure out how to deal with the hard feelings. But bitterness doesn't just want to awake a feeling in our heart. Bitterness wants to become our only feeling. Hmm. And bitterness wants to turn us into somebody that we are not. And when we make the choice to be bitter and to not forgive, that's us signing up to be hurt twice by an offense that another person put on us. You see, it's like we were hurt once when they did whatever they did that hurt us so deeply, but we're hurt twice when we turn into somebody as a result that we don't want to be. And so what I really want to help people see is I want to acknowledge some things that people have done are unchangeable a hundred percent. But just because it's unchangeable doesn't mean your life can't still be beautiful. And the only step toward anything good is forgiveness. And forgiveness is not saying that what happened was no big deal. It absolutely was a big deal. And forgiveness isn't saying that that other person shouldn't suffer consequences. The consequences of their wrongdoing are built into that wrongdoing, and they will eventually suffer those consequences whether we ever see it or not. That's why God says, give it to me. It's mine to avenge. Like, don't belittle yourself to the point where you are trying to take avenge over something because you taking revenge is never actually going to help the other person get any better and make sure they don't hurt you again. So we turn it over to the Lord and we trust that that when people do wrongdoing, the consequences are built in that wrongdoing. God will address this with equal measures of mercy and justice. So we just place it in God's hands and we walk away feeling a confident feeling, not in that person, but a confident feeling in God that God will write the scales of justice somehow, if not on this side of eternity, then the other. And we just have to acknowledge that and see that our job isn't to fix the other person. Our job isn't to punish the other person. Actually, our job is to tend well to our hearts and to forgive that other person so that we're our healing is not held hostage by choices that another person may or may not ever make to say they're sorry or to admit what they did was wrong. So helpful. I think I love that you pointed out the bitterness is a capacity to love and that when we allow it to be a definition that we are cold hearted or we, we change our identity to be that, which isn't true, or we shut out God who is the option 
for actual restoration that goes beyond anything we could control. There's just a freedom in that, a freedom and a release to hand over that pain to him instead of turning our back on him. I'm curious to know with your relationship, I know there was a point where you probably were sitting there looking at at divorce and your relationship with your now husband, but you weren't sure that that was going to happen. Talk, talk to us, share with us a little bit about the point where you had to hand that over to God, where you had to say, and maybe your, I don't know if your husband said sorry, or if there was a, a conversation, but I'm sure at some point you had to sit with God and, and deal with your heart level forgiveness outside of any conversation with your husband. So those conversations, you know, I think we all kind of, you know, when you get hurt, I think we all dream of that big epic moment where it's like, okay, there's this big epic moment where we're going to come together and I'm going to present all my proof of how wrong this was and how hurt I was. And then the other person's going to be like, oh, I see it now. And I am yeah. so sorry. And then, you know, we forgive and we hug and we make up and it's just this like riding off into the sunset, living happily ever after life. Right. Yeah. And a lot of us, our parents taught us that that's how forgiveness happens. That, you know, it's like my mom, the great judge would appear and she would instruct this person is wrong. This person is right. Now the wrong person say, you're sorry. The other person say, I forgive you. The two of you hug and make up. And if you don't stop acting foolish, I'm really going to give you something to cry about. (laughs) And that was a good lesson for my mom to teach, but I never let my understanding of forgiveness grow up. And Mm. so I carried a very little girl understanding of forgiveness into some very adult situations and certainly into the situation with my husband. And I honestly did not think it was going to be possible to forgive until he said he was sorry. Hmm. But what my counselor helped me see is that forgiveness was my choice to make. I was empowered to make that choice to walk through forgiveness. And I didn't even have to have a conversation with Art to do it. At that point, Art and I weren't even talking to one another. And I wasn't sure that he was ever going to come home. And so my counselor helped me see I could have a forgiveness decision without having a conversation with Art. And that was like mind-blowing newsflash to me. And I could make the choice to forgive and not know whether reconciliation was ever going to be possible or not. Hmm. Because forgiveness is me acknowledging to God that I need to sweep my heart clean Like Ephesians chapter four says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, every form of malice, be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God has forgiven us. I started to understand, like, I don't have to muster up this crazy concept of forgiveness and like suddenly become mature enough, like. I'm going to boss my feelings around and become spiritually mature enough where I can just barely eke out the words, I forgive. Forgiveness is not made possible by my determination. Forgiveness is made possible by my cooperation with what God has already allowed through the power of Jesus. In other words, God's forgiveness flows to us. Therefore, we just have to cooperate and let it flow through us then and out to other people. So it's not based on me. It's not, it's not like I'm just going to suddenly become a big enough person to forgive. I just have to recognize that I need God's forgiveness myself. Mm-hmm. And as God's forgiveness flows to me, I let it flow through me. But when we allow God's forgiveness to flow to us and we refuse to let it flow through us, that heavy weight of unforgiveness is a burden too, too heavy for the human heart to bear. So I didn't have that big epic conversation with Art when I started this forgiveness process. And I wasn't sure if our marriage was going to make it. But I started this process of forgiveness because it was the only step toward anything good that I could make for myself. 
And that was how I started my healing. And it was important. So I've mentioned in past episodes that one of our sponsors, Ancestry, let me send in my saliva and get my DNA analyzed. And I got my results back. What's more fun is I got them back while I was with my family at a wedding. And it was super connecting. One, to be able to tell them that I did not have the gene for um, breast cancer or colon cancer, which is great news. But also to figure out a little bit more of our background, it turns out I'm 44% German descent. And we knew my mom had some German in her, but not that big. My dad has a relative who was Jewish and came to America and changed his name because there was such uh, an anti-Semitic um, feel to the United States at the time. And so we're kind of wondering if maybe he was a German uh, Jew. Anyway, it's just, we had no idea. And so if you want to connect with your family in a really deep and meaningful way, maybe you can't be with them this holiday season because of COVID or travel restrictions. What a great idea to give your loved one an ancestry gift membership. Discover the fascinating people in your past. Surprise them so they can uncover their origins. If you want to check out their special holiday pricing on this truly meaningful gift during the holiday sale at Ancestry, go over to my URL at Ancestry.com slash DMA to get your Ancestry gift today. That's Ancestry.com slash DMA. I love that you said all of that because I know there are friends that are sitting in that in between. They aren't seeing the restored. They may not see the restored marriage or, or whatever it is that their pain is based on and that we can be set free <laughs> before any of that happens is good news. Um, I'm curious. I know I have different personality kids. I'm sure in your five, there's a variety of personalities. Um, I know of my kids, there are some that it takes a little bit longer to regain trust, to build trust. Um, how did you walk your kids through, you know, you, that was your personal forgiveness journey. And I don't know how long it was between that and when you did renew your vows. But in that process, did you have kids that really struggled to rebuild trust in, in art? Yes. You know, trust is um, really tricky because when it is there, it is the, it is the oxygen of a relationship. Like a relationship cannot survive without trust. And yet though it can be beautiful when it works really well, it can be broken in an instant. And it makes us feel so vulnerable because if we do not have trust in a relationship, that relationship will not survive. It's just like the human body can't survive without air, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so what I had to realize is each of my kids were going to have a journey on their own. And it was so scary for me as a mom because we had raised our kids really helping them see when other people people would go through hard things and they would find out that their friends, parents were getting a divorce. You know, we would often say with such good intention, you know, you'll never have to worry about that happening to our family. And so the heartbreak for this was so massive in part for me because I felt like I had made this promise to my kids over and over and over. And while I kept the promise, art didn't, but at the end of the day, the promise wasn't kept, you know? Mm, And so I was worried. And honestly, part of my devastation in this was I didn't just feel like my marriage was falling apart. I felt like the legacy that we were, we had worked so hard to establish for our kids that that was being dismantled and destroyed. And I had no, no say so in the matter. And it is excruciatingly painful to see your life dismantled, you know, one choice after another, after another, and just completely unraveling in front of you. And you have no say so in the matter. And I felt rendered so powerless and I carried an enormous amount of anxiety over what this was going to do to my kids. 
but that's also where, you know, I have to be brave enough to let God write each of my kids' stories. And as much as I want to say, I don't want to control God, I don't want to control God until I do. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah. I don't want to control God until I do, especially in the lives of my kids. Um, Because it's one thing for me to go through hurt. It's a whole nother ballgame when I'm there watching my kids be so devastated by this dad that they love so much. And also to further complicate things, I could divorce him as my husband, but they would never be able to divorce him as their dad. Oh, yeah. So Heather, it was so tricky because I wanted to say certain things to my kids to help them understand none of these choices were mine, you know, and that's not the same thing as me saying none of this is my fault. You know, it's like fault becomes irrelevant at that point. It's kind of like when people say there's two sides to every story. I'm like, when a family is imploding, this is not a spectator sport. You don't need to acknowledge there's two sides. You just need to jump in the field and tend to the bleeding wounded that are barely hanging on by a thread. Like, please don't pick a side here. Let's just acknowledge this is devastating, you know? Yeah. yeah, But there were certain things I knew I could say to my kids to bring some perspective into this and to let them know this is not what I want. And yet I had to be so careful not to destroy, further destroy their dad's character in the process, because that would have been adding unnecessary pain that just didn't need to be there. And it was complicated on every level. And I want to tell you that I did it well, but I know there were some days I probably did not It's really hard when you're in excruciating pain to navigate all this stuff really well. But one thing I was committed to do is to leave room for God to work. And I just kept saying to my kids, because even my kids got to a point where they were just like, mom, why are you not divorcing him? Because it's such a long season of hurt, you know? Yeah. But I just kept saying to them, I want to leave room for God to work. And I recognize sometimes God rescues people out of hard relationships. And sometimes God allows those relationships to reconcile. And either way, I want to set my life up to be a redemption story. And my life will be a redemption story, whether we reconcile or not. But regardless, I want to leave room for God to work. And so I did. And I would, I will tell you honestly, Heather, that it came down to no one, exactly zero people in my life thought we would reconcile. Zero. Wow. There were friends that held on for a while. There were counselors that held on for a while. There were pastors that held on for a while. (laughs) But I hit a place where exactly zero people in my life thought reconciliation was possible. And I still held on because I knew that impossible is often where God shines. And I I really did not think that we were going to have a redemption story. So at that point, I was just trying to have no regrets and I wanted a redemption story with God, even if art never came home. But what God did was so miraculous in those months where there absolutely was no hope left. And it was only God. And I will say that I learned a lot about my prayer life in that season because I had made so many suggestions to God of how he could fix this. Yeah. And he never listened to any of my suggestions Yeah, because God's ways really are higher than our ways. And God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And God has an unbelievable ability to work in the unseen places where I just had to keep reminding myself, I didn't see God moving. And yet I know 
that we don't serve a do-nothing God. God is always doing something, and he was. Well, I think what you just handed us was a glimpse of hope, that the hope isn't this will be restored in the way that we think it's going to be restored. The hope is that we serve a God who has bigger plans than we do. And we don't have to see them with our eye, but we can believe with our hearts that that is the God we serve. He has big plans and he is a good God. And whatever hard thing, if you're listening right now, that you are walking through pain that feels unforgivable, a bitterness that is, I know I've experienced bitterness. It it rots you. It really does rot you from the inside out. Physical manifestations for me of just, um, it, it, it was more harmful to me than it was helping me. But I hope and pray that Lisa's testimony, that her words today encourage you, if anything, one, if you have not received professional help, that that is uh, a great option. And two, that God is always available to hand over that pain. Um, And definitely check out Lisa's book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget, because she's going to walk you through. It is a solid, I mean, I'm holding this book right now. This is a solid book, Lisa. I'm writing writing a book right now. It is hard to write a book. And this is a solid book filled with good truth that's going to help someone who's hurting. And so thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for allowing us into some private places and the goal always being God's glory. And so appreciate you being on here today. We'll link to all of your sites on our show notes, but yeah, thank you so much for sharing with us. Well, thank you so much for for allowing this moment to happen, um, Heather, and, and really fighting for your listener and asking such good questions. And my prayer for this book, forgiving what you can't forget is that it will evoke no condemnation for people, but it will provide such a sense of hope that we're going to start with the pain and we're going to tend well to it using biblical principles and counseling principles. And forgiveness will not be something we feel like we have to do but by the middle to the end of the book, it's something we realize we're empowered to do. And it's not a hard command by God, but rather it's a true gift that God has provided to help us heal, move forward and keep our hearts swept clean. Yes, that is everything. Thank you, Lisa, so much for being here today. I appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you too, Heather. Have a great day and blessings to you on your writing journey. Oh, You're so kind. Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) Adios. I know this topic is super personal for some of y'all listening. I have walked through infidelity situations with friends and reconciliation and divorce, and it is hard. And forgiving is excruciating. I'm so thankful that Lisa reminds us it's human to remember and that actually it can be a testimony of God's goodness to share what he's done and how he's healed you. And so I'm going to pray over us. I'm going to pray for that healing. I'm going to pray for us to be able to share our stories. Lord, I bring before you the broken parts of every person listening. I pray that you would be the healer, that we would come to you whether it's through a counseling service or recovery service or friends in our community, that we would allow you to heal us from the hurt, from the pain of the hard things done against us and um, that we may have been a part of, Lord. I pray that we could forgive ourselves. I pray, Lord, that we would forgive those that have harmed us. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the boldness to then testify to the healing that you have done. I thank you for Lisa's boldness. I pray uh, protection over their marriage as they move forward. I pray for any marriage represented that has not reconciled, that there would not be guilt or shame that they have not reconciled, that you um, will confirm in them that you are a God and you love them. I pray that shame would have no place in this conversation. 
that we would remember our worth and our value comes from you alone, not from any uh, status, marriage status, or Lord, I just feel like as a community, we we uh, shut those out that are different from what we believe is the quote unquote right way. We, may we be loving to those in the community around us whose stories are disrupted right now. May we see how you see them, see them how you see them. I pray comfort, I pray a spirit of comfort, peace, and reconciliation over all relationships in this tumultuous time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, y'all. I really would like to, before the year's out, have a guest on to talk about making amends. How do we do that well instead of just confronting or ignoring? How do we reconcile with people well, um, whether it's a spouse or whether it's a friend um, with all the division that's happening, I feel like there's space for us to make biblical amends with people, but it requires work in ourselves first. Uh, so stay tuned. I hope to do that. If it doesn't happen this year, <laughs> maybe next year, meet me back here next week. I'm going to have Tish Oxenrider on the show. She's going to share with us um, a, a way that I have never celebrated the holidays, but I'm considering this year because it seems like a simple kind, gentle way to finish off 2020. And if you want something to do to help this show, if you would go to whatever app that you listen to the show and leave a review, maybe you've been listening for years and you've been meaning to leave a review, but you never have. With the number of podcasts that are being released daily, sometimes shows kind of fall under the pile. And I really want to give moms hope and point them in a direction that's going to hold in the midst of a chaotic time. If you want to be part of that, leaving a review helps draw attention to the show or sharing it on your Instagram. But I'm telling y'all, I don't know how the algorithms work over on iTunes, but it seems to be that when you add a review, it helps. So if y'all can be part of my team in that, that would be fantastic. I'll meet y'all here back next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.